In 2012, entrepreneur Sean Rad joined up with the technology-driven incubator Hatch Labs to begin development on an app that was designed to take the pressure off of meeting new people. Initially titled Matchbox, the app went through a trial period in the summer before changing its name to Tinder and launching in September of that year. The app revolutionized the dating game, winning Best New Startup at TechCrunch 2013 and slowly transforming culture into a swipe-based, impulsive way of meeting potential suitors. The app now exists in over 40 languages and houses nearly 50 million active users. Australia's Julia Jacqueline is at great odds with the app, however. As she noted about her second full-length record, Crushing, the album is for someone who loves the notebook but uses Tinder. There are no rain-soaked embraces found in Crushing. It's an aptly titled record given that Jacqueline guides the listeners through 10 songs of mourning, heartbreak, and devastation. Throughout it all, Jacqueline's pop sensibilities remain unfurred. Her voice acts as a thunder blanket for the brokenhearted. It's a colossal undertaking to be this vulnerable on an album, but Jacqueline accomplishes the task with flying colors. And for that, Crushing is an art school album. My guest today, making her second appearance on the podcast, it's good to have her back because when we recorded our first episode, we were seeing each other pretty much every day. We lived in the same building. We had so much time to spend with one another and things have changed over the past year and I don't get to talk to this person as much, but I'm glad she's back on the podcast. Sierra Cruz, welcome back. How are you doing? Things have changed. That's a very sad element of the pandemic was not, was not hanging out with you every day. Um, things that haven't changed, still drinking a lot of Coca-Cola, um, <laughs> finished, finished off a two liter today, not proud about my intake. Well, you are someone who uh, consumes roughly uh, around the same amount of soda that I do. I have been a lifelong drinker and you looked humiliated when I said that we consume the same amount of soda, which was hurtful. And I do just want to point that well, out I to the listeners. I consume more soda than you. Well, you're someone that's new to the game because you did not drink soda as a kid. No, I wasn't allowed to. Nutritionist mom. Yeah, that is uh, not the environment that I grew up in. Uh, but you're still consuming lots of Coca-Cola products. The uh, voting, uh, Coca-Cola speeding out uh, against the voting law in Georgia has not perturbed you. You're powering forward and still consuming the product. The problem with it is that that's not even the worst. Like, we want to talk about the legacy of the Coca-Cola Foundation, the Coca-Cola family. It gets so dark, so fast. You know that Army Hammer story and how it relates back to like every level of this billionaire family? It's like sure. that Coca-Cola's. So if you've never met Sierra before, this, this is a good introduction. Juvenile topic, nice introduction. Sierra's gonna find something wrong with whatever corporate entity we're talking about, and she is going to let you know about it. Death to capitalism. Well, you're on the Art School Albums podcast, and we don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, we're just trying to get through our everyday lives, pay our rent, do the best we can. Uh, Sierra, so happy you're here. For uh, the past year, I've been asking people, you know, well, how have you been doing being locked down? And then it transitioned into, well, things are getting better. There's light at the end of the tunnel. How are you doing about that? Now we're doing a segment called Where's Your Vaccination At? And Sierra, how vaccinated are you? I'm fully vaccinated. Fully vaccinated, the one shot or the two? I, I got the one shot, I got the Johnson & Johnson. Uh, met a kind guy at the Oak Lodge in Arizona. 
He wasn't really that kind. Um, and he tried to take my tea from me, but I convinced him to give me a shot. <laughs> That is that is tremendous to hear. I'm halfway there. I'll be fully vaccinated by the end of April. So come around this time next month, I'll be in your apartment. Just be ready for it. I'm coming over, Sierra, and I lo- I'm looking forward to it. Hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. Obviously, that is the theme of this podcast. Uh, we're talking about cool girls today, cool, young, hip women. Obviously, Sierra Cruz is the gal to talk about that with. But first, we're going to talk about someone who... We've never done an episode on this person for a multitude of reasons. One, they are the biggest music artist in the world, and I don't feel like I need to give her more press. Uh, Two, I think her fans are deranged, and they scare me. And that person is Taylor Swift. Uh, But Sierra Cruz, when I invited her on the show, she really wanted to voice some Taylor Swift opinions, and that I will allow. So Sierra, you have the floor. Well, I just feel like it's disrespectful um, to not honor like this music moment, you know, with the re-release of Fearless Taylor's version, right? Like we saw Fiona Apple get the Grammy and we saw what she had to say about women in the industry, right? And let me be clear, I like Fiona Apple. Uh, this whole, I it, Fetch the Bull Cards was fine. It, I mean, it was like fine. I don't think it was her best album, but what what do I know? I mean... Pertaining to Taylor Swift, because I know I'm going to have too much to say about that. Pertaining to Taylor Swift, we're talking about women's ownership of their own music, right? Um, And I feel like that's not being talked about enough with this re-release of her album. Like, for some reason, feminists are so afraid to talk about, like, Taylor Swift reclaiming her own music and that that's cool. And also, because they were talking about it when Fiona Apple was, so I didn't understand why why we shut up. There is... Uh, a girl boss energy that surrounds Taylor Swift, whether or not she intends to. And I don't think that's her fault. That's just the reality of the situation. Taylor Swift is also someone who, you know, for a long time, she wasn't on Spotify because she was demanding fair streaming royalties, which I was actually a little critical of her at the time because I was like, well, yes, but I don't want to hear this from you when you have all of these other opportunities to make money. I now look back at that and I go, that was dumb. We really should have rallied around Taylor Swift at that time. She kind of holds up. She has these like kind of awesome opinions, Um, but she's also like no one that you want to ask for their opinion. Like never am I like, I wonder what Taylor Swift thinks about this. And then sometimes I'll be like, hey, she was kind of right. And yeah, her fans are a little crazy, but something something that ties to Julia Jacqueline is when I um, when I was reading an interview that she had, she was talking about how women are criticized for telling like for writing songs and then they're assumed to be like autobiographical, whereas men can write songs and they don't have to be autobiographical. Does that make sense? And so I feel like Taylor Swift is not given a lot of the credit that she deserves because she writes these like fantasy worlds of songs. That's very interesting. I had never thought thought about that from that perspective. Uh, I'm not a Swifty. I'm, I'm Swifty adjacent. I would like to say that. No, and that's fine. Because I mean, look, I, I think You Belong With Me is the best pop song of this century. It's like, hey, yeah, let's get this party started by the Black Eyed Peas and You Belong With Me. Those are the three best songs that have come out since 2000. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. So I don't, I don't have an issue with her. 
That's very interesting. As a writer yourself, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, kind of uh, where you fall in line and the parallels you might have with Julia Jacqueline. What do you what do you make of that? Do you, as a uh, female writer, feel pigeonholed, pigeon-held by this idea that people are going to take your work as autobiographical, whether it is or not? I mean, to me, like, it's not a conversation I have a lot because my work is biogra- autobiographical. Like, and Sierra, I, Sierra will tell you information about her life in her work, whether you ask for it or not. Literally, yeah, I know. And I like, I that's being like, if you seek it out, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna share, shove my truths down your throat. But um, I feel like because everything I write right now, I'm not super into fantasy. I don't really write fiction. I'm trying to write a short story. It's just about my cousins. And it's like, it, I mean, what is fiction but fan fiction of your life, right? Like, speaking of which, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about Taylor Swift was I wanted to address a very universal moment that I feel like a lot of us had. And Case, I'm not sure if you were on this train. I'm not sure if this was a young woman thing, but um, I spent a lot of times, a lot of time around the age 10 to 13 on fanfiction.net or harrypotterfanfiction.net listening to taylor swift i had this old laptop that was constantly getting viruses from harrypotterfanfiction.net um but and so i would do both of them and then i would read really sad harry potter fanfiction and i would cry and listen to taylor swift and think about the characters that died um and then i would write like a face should i not be sharing this is no no this is exactly what i've wanted on this podcast please go ahead and then I would write like a really sad Facebook post that would be, that was like, that was like when it's all just too much to bear. And all my mom's friends would comment and be like, are you okay? Um, and it was just because Taylor Swift got the best best of me. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Some of which, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist, so I don't, I'm just legally speaking, I'm just not allowed to touch some of that. It's just not for me. There's a few things there. One, like, when did you get a Facebook account? How old were you? I got a Facebook account too young. I was 10 because my brother got one and he, you had to be like 13 or something. And my brother got one and my mom's never been on the internet. So she's always been very lax about the internet. Like we couldn't have soda, but she was like, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. You can have a Facebook account. Um, So we were just allowed to run free. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, I was in fifth grade, which I guess was like 11 years old. I just now thinking about this, talking to you, the reason I got a Facebook was because the dare officer that we had was like, I'm on Facebook. You can befriend me. And then a bunch of fifth graders made Facebook accounts, <laughs> which I think that dude is actually like a really nice guy. And I've just now realized like, oh, that sounds awful. What I like painting paint in that light. But you know what it's also like? It's also like the military recruitment people. They're like, oh yeah, you can friend me on Facebook. We can talk. We can chat. Where, did you write the like award-winning speech or whatever for for Dare in your grade? Were you an active participant? Why? Because I'm straight edge. You think I killed it in Dare too? Um, Julia Jacqueline, I'm pretty sure is straight edge, and if she's not, she has some very pro straight edge lyrics in this album. <laughs> I don't think she is, but that would be cool as shit if she was. Uh, I don't remember writing any speeches in Dare that wasn't something I I did but I do remember like the reason I brought this up was just we were at a we grew up 
with the internet. I don't remember a day in my life where I didn't have access to a computer, but we were also evolving with the internet. And I just think like, man, I was on Facebook like 11 or 12 years old. Thank goodness that stuff is gone to the best of my ability. But kids today are just out there and that is not a good thing to have. No, it's really bad. And I feel like it's my like, like it's like the least cool opinion to have to be like the internet is killing us, but I fully believe that the internet is killing us. <laughs> we think about it a lot, especially during the pandemic because internet connection is not real connection. <laughs> I was, I, so I hear a commercial every single day on the radio and I forget who is advertising it, but the commercial starts with, if we learned one thing in 2020, it's that the internet is awesome. And then it's like selling you like cheap wireless internet. It's like, hold on, is that the lesson we took from 2020? That the internet is awesome? Like, I don't think that's true. I had a friend. Um, yeah, internet's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like it's sick. We could uh, mobilize at the Capitol in early January. It's awesome. Uh, I had a friend who we were at lunch like a summer and a half ago. This was pre-pandemic and he, it just caught me off guard. He looked at me in the eyes. He was like, do you remember a few years ago when people were afraid that books were going to cease to exist, that we were all going to become glued to Kindles? Isn't that fun to think about? And I was like, yeah, I guess that is like kind of like the Google Glasses thing where we just like really overestimated the power of technology. Instead of stopping reading books and moving to Kindles, though, we just stopped reading altogether. Not me. You big bookworms here. What are you reading right now? I am always reading about three books. Um, I actually just finished, I finished The Immortalists, which was so sad. Um, and then before that, I read A Little Life, which was much sadder. Um, and then I was like, give yourself a break, Sierra. So I reread Normal People by Sally Rooney. Um, and then I'm also reading a book of Nora Ephron essays. So there seems to be a reoccurring theme here, sad Harry Potter fan fiction into sad literature. I guess, like you asked me if this was something I did on the internet. No, it was not. I was not doing anything Harry Potter related, nor was I doing anything fan fiction related. But I don't understand, like the Harry Potter fan fiction was like characters dying. I This is a world of fan fiction that I didn't know existed. Oh my God, yeah. So this was a really specific website because it wasn't like Wattpad, right? Wattpad is like smut and like, like, mostly kids writing it. This was like, this was like teenagers. This was like 17 year olds writing really in-depth multi-chapter Harry Potter fan fiction. And it was like emotional. It was emotional because they would either take characters that you already knew, characters that you already loved. And I can't, ex like if you didn't have a book like that when you were little, you don't understand they felt so real to me. Like I cried at every Harry Potter's character's death. And then these fan fictions were like extending the world. And I was, it was like, I was in a dream and they were alive and then they died. Um, and I was like 10. There were books I read as a kid where this little boy would find old vintage baseball cards and then he would get sucked into the baseball card and go back in time and relive a historic moment in baseball history. Oh, on brand. <laughs> yeah. So I guess fan fiction, I guess historical fan fiction, because they would like implement a kid from the late 90s and like a 1950 situation where he'd be like, no, Jackie Robinson, you got this. Like, it's going to be okay. Uh, but Harry Potter, not something I participate in even now. I don't, that's another fandom that just weirds me out. 
Yeah, no, it's um, really bad. Like, it's really terrible. And I grew out of it. I mean, I still love it. Like, I love all the characters and everything. And I have way too much knowledge. But also, like, J.K. Rowling's really bad. And so I don't, most me and people that I grew up with really loving this don't rep it anymore. <laughs> I'm curious, as we talk about, like, things that you're really attached to, and as we relate it kind of to Taylor Swift, and then especially to Julia Jacqueline, this current group of your strong female singer-songwriters, your Julia Jacklins, your Phoebe Bridgers, Wiseblood, Maggie Rogers, Julian Baker, whoever you want to throw in there, you in your shoes now as a 21-year-old, mm -hmm. do you see any sort of representation there? Is there something other than just like, hey, this music sounds good, it rocks. Is there something that is really driving you to what feels like a, a bit of a moment in music of like, hey, these women are really powerful and their songs also kick ass. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's like very fair for what's happening right now. But also most women um, that are really into music or like music or people that aren't really have always sought out female voices. And so it's kind of for the people, it's kind of what it's big for is the people that aren't seeking out those voices. Like it's not as big for me, for me as it is to hear someone that's like my age and a total dude bro be like oh yeah i love phoebe bridgers and obviously okay like you're not saying anything insane that's just a pop like that's just like the most famous singer um but to have someone like that like have that demographic be okay with women being successful i what do you think about this i i, I don't know what the right word for it is. There's kind of like a group of guys and I, I would like to think I'm not one of them. I read about this on the internet though, of men that are really into either a Phoebe Bridgers or a Beach Bunny is a really good example of women or of men that are really into these, these strong bands with women in them because the songs are often about sad women. And so they think like, oh, if I like this band, I will meet sad women. And that's something that they're very drawn to, something they're very attracted to. Is that weird to you? Because that's a little weird to me. Yeah, it's weird to me, but most men do weird shit. I'm going to be very real with you. Like, um, like, oh, there's this group of men and they're doing this thing that's a little fucked up. <laughs> Sounds like most days of the week, right? Um, and... Yeah, no, like I, it's less of a problem with them and more of a problem with patriarchy and the way that we're taught sadness equals weakness and power dynamics and all that. It's something I'm very aware of. Like I've seen Julia Jacklin live. I'll tell you that story in a second. Uh, I've seen Beach Bunny live multiple times. And just being who I am, looking how I do, I, it's not a place of social interaction for me when I'm there. Like I would, it's not... I know I don't fit in. This is not my environment. I love this music. I think they're incredibly talented. Love the jams. This is not a situation where I can approach strange woman and be like, hey, what's up? Because it's going to have an element of just aggression to it that I'm not intending. I forgot we were talking about Beach Bunny. I forgot that we saw Beach Bunny together. That one, I feel like I was less out of place, but most punk shows that I go to, like you are you are like straight white guy. I am like hippie girl. So I show up at a punk show and people are like, wow, that's a dress. Interesting. 
interesting choice. Um, and I'm like, I'm just going to stand in the back. <laughs> I also forgot we saw Beach Bunny together. Uh, that was, they were very good that night. And Prince Daddy and the Hyena opened for them. And that was a very fun show. I saw Julia Jackson live. And I would like to tell you this story. Would you like to know about this? Yes, so badly. So my introduction to Julia Jacqueline was my junior year of college. We were, we, we were fast friends at this point because this was like September of 2019, which is when we would have met. Yes. I have been happier in my life than I was at that time. Ebbs and flows as it, as it is. And I was yeah. on YouTube, YouTube one night. I saw this, uh, this very pretty woman. Uh, and she was singing a cover of Someday by The Strokes, which is one of my favorite songs. I don't need to defend the fact that I like The Strokes, okay? A lot of people like The Strokes. They're a very good band. I don't... Was I coming at you? No, no, no. And, and, and you weren't. But I know I know. there's people listening that are going to be like, oh, Case likes The Strokes. Yeah, you know why? Because they're fucking good. So I was listening to this cover, and it was Julia Jacqueline doing a cover of, of Someday by The Strokes. And I was blown away by how good this was. I clicked on to the next video. It was a, a video of her doing Don't Know How to Keep Loving You live from the Pace Studios. I was enthralled. I couldn't believe what I was watching. This woman was so talented. I said, I need to go see this person live. Googled Julia Jacqueline tour. Where's she coming the next month? She's going to be in Chicago. Great. I'll buy tickets. Oh, no. The tickets are sold out. The issue became trying to find tickets for the show because she wasn't playing at Subterranean or at Lincoln Hall or wherever else. She was playing at the Old Town School of Folk, which is a very strange venue, doesn't exactly fit a lot of people. I'm on the Facebook page. Anybody have a spare ticket? I just need one. I'm a lonely man going to this concert alone. I don't need two. I just need one. Somebody slides into the DMs, the Facebook Messenger DMs where real life happens. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I've got an I've got an extra ticket. PayPal me twenty bucks. It's yours. Great. Make sure to send it. Make sure to send it friends and family. Not even thinking. No problem with me. Here's your twenty bucks, good sir. Never heard from that man again. Got scammed out of a ticket to Julia Jacklin. I'm devastated at this point. I work at a radio station in Chicago where we can get tickets to almost any show. I go to this guy uh, that that like does our tickets. I'm like, hey man, Old Town School of Folk. What are your sources there? What are your connections there? He's like, I have none. We've never given away tickets to there. It's like very cool. You're no help. I go to Julia Jacqueline's Reddit page, r slash Julia Jacqueline. I say, I'm in need of one ticket to Chicago. I am going to go to this show. I just need one ticket. There's a woman there who sends me a message. She says, hey, I was going to go to the show, but FKA Twigs is touring that night on the same night. You could have my ticket and you don't even have to pay me until I know you're in the building. And I showed up to the building and I got in and I sent this woman $25 on PayPal and I watched Julia Jacqueline up close and in person. And it was a tremendous show, Sierra. Oh, that sounds really magical because it's like, yeah, it's like you were meant to be there. Thank you, Reddit. <laughs> Thank you, Reddit. Something I'm constantly saying, something I'm a huge fan of. Love the Reddit. I totally understand how that website works and all of the buttons on the website. It all makes sense to me. This is Facebook Marketplace slander. Case is coming for Facebook Marketplace. Everyone that's pro Facebook Marketplace, know you're against Case. That's very fair. I've never, I don't like, I don't like buying stuff from other people. Like I love going to a store and buying something. I don't like someone's used treadmill 
now being mine because I have a pickup truck that I can haul it in. It's a very specific example that hasn't happened to me, but I think you get the point. I'm curious, because I shared my introduction to Julia Jacqueline. How did you discover this woman? I discovered Julia Jacqueline through one of my favorite poets, Olivia Gatwood, who uh, I know, I know who I really, so she's this 28 year old woman that I really want to be, but I'm also in love with. Um, And it's like obsessive. Like I know too much about her through her social media. Um, And during uh, 2019, she mentioned Julia Jacqueline and I listened to her first album, but then during the pandemic um, on her podcast, she was talking about Julia Jacqueline and then the real thing that sealed it for me. Cause I'd listened, I had been like, that's really nice, but hadn't introduced Julia Jacqueline to my repertoire. Um, then she posted this video of her, the f- like the first week of quarantine when everyone was really alone in their house, dancing in her kitchen backlit to um, Don't Know How to Keep Loving You. And it was the most beautiful video I'd ever seen in my life. And it started my obsession. That is a very on-brand way of you to get into Julia Jacqueline. I, I, I like that. I, I'm curious, uh, you yourself fancy yourself to be a poet. We just talked about Olivia Gatwood, a poet. Julia Jacqueline's songwriting, for me, something very vivid, something very physical almost. Like her songwriting really moves me. I'm curious from your perspective, was it the words that grabbed you? Was it her voice? Was it the, was it the entire package? Like when did you know you were hooked with this artist? Oh, it was Head Alone. Okay, this is this is my favorite. This was what really got me because it was the melody and also the lyrics that I don't want to be touched all the time. I raise my body up to be mine. Yeah, I don't want to be touched all the time. I raise my body up to be mine. That stuck in my head for forever. I love that. I had assumed you did because I know you well enough and that was going to be something I want to talk about in the notes was uh, this is it's a very romantic album, but it's a very tough album to listen to at times. And that concept of like non-physical affection is something that I really haven't heard tackled in too many songs, if any. And I found that to be very interesting. Is it it fair to say this is a very empowering record of modern love? Well, I mean, (sighs) I feel like it almost isn't a credit to her if we're saying, because when I was reading it out loud, I realized it sounds like she's like, lay your hands off women, lay your hands off women. Um, But I think that's a really like, almost an oversimplification of what she's doing here. Like she's portraying such a piece of her life and humanity um, without an agenda. And to me, that doesn't feel like empowerment. It feels like resonation. Um, but I assume that's what it feels like to male listeners too. Um, cause this line isn't even necessarily about like, like sexual assault or like anything like that. It's literally about feeling confined in your body and in your situation. And I feel like when you're talking about like a modern, like love story of in- those interesting, those interesting dualism, she's, um, working with both wanting to love someone and also knowing what's bad for her like in all of these songs it comes back like what is bad for her and is she willing to do that bad thing or is it the love that's too strong um yeah yeah that's something that comes up especially in the song good guy on the second half of the album of you know tell me on the love of your life just for a night 
even if you don't mean it. And and this is certainly not an attempt at gotcha journalism. I'm not trying to get any answer out of you here, but you talk about this idea of like wanting love and also falling into these these pits of maybe I shouldn't do this and then maybe ignoring those feelings. Is that something that you battle with yourself? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's like, I don't think there's a time where you're more vulnerable to the hurt of romance than your 20s, which is when like she was writing a lot of this stuff. Um, getting to know people and building your life is constantly opening yourself up. And it's a story of what parts you can open up and what parts you should maybe keep to yourself and what you want to keep to yourself. Um, so if you're gonna just see someone for the night, like you can be like, you can have, let's just pretend this is one thing and then I'm setting the boundary that tomorrow it's different. Um, and then you can have all of the joy without the disappointment. Specifically for you, because I know we've talked quite a bit just about the pandemic and how, it, you know, it's it's obviously very hard, uh, but like, you know, we haven't seen each other in a year. And like I was saying at the top of the show, we we went from seeing each other literally almost every single day to, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen you in person, except for I did bump into you on the street on uh, National Straight Edge Day because I was so embarrassed that you caught me uh, walking to like a Youth of Today deep cut. But uh, in general, like, how have you dealt with that? Because I do feel like, and I, if this is unfair, please correct me. There's a bit of a hopeless romantic vibe that Sierra Cruz brings to the table. A and bit. for the, uh, just a bit. And for the past year, you know, it's been very difficult. Has it been taxing not only romantically, but just emotionally? Can you kind of talk about the toll it's taken on you? Yeah, it's, it's bleak. It's bad. Um, I'm an actor and I like people and I like the way that people make me feel. And it's a big motivator for everything that I do. Um, fashion's a big motivator for everything I do. The way that I'm gonna be able to talk to people about their fashion's a big motivator, like all of that. Um, and then of course, the biggest motivation of all is what if like one day you walked out of your door and that was the day that you met the person that you're supposed to be in love with for the rest of your life, right? And it's just not an option. Is that something that you, you think about it? Like today I could meet the love of my life. I think about it when I'm like, I'm wasting my youth. I'm like, okay, well, one of these days has to be the day, right? <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's very interesting because I feel like we have a similar bounce of frustration, but we come at it from very different ways. And at no point am I thinking like, this is going to be the day I'm going to meet someone here. And maybe you are, maybe I just put those words in your mouth, but I almost come at it from like a resigned point of view of like, well, you know, if I look, I would love for it to happen, but I'm just running some numbers. I'm crunching some data and it's not looking likely that the love of my life is anywhere within this vicinity. Yeah. Um, that's probably really healthy to stand back and like look but I don't know. All I know how to do is like run straight into the field, just like chest open, heart out. Like that's all I got. Um, it's most of what I have going for me. And, um, <laughs> and it's just like, okay, today's the day that I'm going to meet this person, but more like the hope constantly that it could be. And it's, 
it's similar to like the hope that like when you go to a party, you're like, oh, I could like meet some people that make me laugh. But like the best version of that is that you meet someone that like changes your life. This is a segment called Sierra Critiques Case's Personal Life. And I, I look forward to your answer because you've heard me lament about my relationship issues in the past. If you could change one thing about my approach or my game plan when it comes to dating, what would that be? I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I really don't. I think I think you and I are both just like hopeless romantics. And part of that is really bad when you're 22. Like, what do you mean no one wants to settle down? What do you mean <laughs> no one wants to fall in love with me and declare that I'm the only person they're gonna love for the rest of my life? And I'm not saying you're asking that, but I do feel like we edge more on the side of like, and that's a lot to ask of someone that's like 22, right? Yeah, cause I'm already like, I don't want adventures with a person anymore. I like fucking come over and we're going to watch the news and then we'll find a TV show to watch. And then I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. So like, also, I think this is another thing I've been thinking about. There's a world that's not art school. I think if I met anyone that wasn't an artist, they would be so into what I have going on. And I think <laughs> being surrounded by people that are cooler than me is my biggest flaw. <laughs> So I think about this a lot of just like, if like, if I go back home or if I am just like, not that I'm ever around like accountants, not that I'm avoiding them, but I just don't have the opportunity to be around them. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like the creative guy. I'm like, oh, you do like bits on the radio? Like this dude's crazy. I feel like such a fucking fraud at Columbia with like like not that these people are necessarily like talented at times and I do feel like I'm a month away from graduating I could finally say like man some of you guys need to relax uh but there's just like this element of like man I'm at this art school and I I can't imagine going anywhere else for school and I also don't feel like I fit in at the school yeah I think like I feel very similarly but I also feel that I feel that everywhere I go, I feel that everywhere I go, maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm actually not special. Can you please cut that out? That was really <laughs> That's fine. I can cut that out. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you, you mentioned that you kind of, you don't feel like you necessarily fit in here. Is the concept of home something you struggle with uh, and finding a spot to be in, finding a spot to land? You did look like you were just about to burst into tears when I asked that question. And I do apologize for that, but I would like an answer. Yeah, I really cried about it a lot today. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't really have a concept of home. Um, I grew up in a place that wasn't great. I came to college. Um, I lived in a lot of places temporarily. In 2020, I lived in eight places. Um, and yeah, I like, I don't know, I was thinking about that when I was listening to When the Family Flies In today, because when things get so bad, the thing I want most is to like, go back to like the house that I had in, in Oregon. Um, and just be there for a second. And it's just not an option anymore. Yeah, When the Family Flies In, which is the halfway point on this record, it is the song that I am most moved by. And I can't even fully articulate why. I know Julia Jacklin talked about in a DIY Magazine interview about how she found it very emotionally taxing to record that 
it had started off as a guitar song and then they moved it to piano and she just wasn't necessarily feeling secure with the way the song sounded. It, it is for me the one that cuts the deepest on this record. Is there, is there one for you that you might every once in a while have to skip, not because you don't enjoy it, but just because it is a little too heavy because it is uh, for the most part, a very somber album. Um, I don't shy away from sadness. Um, I should. <laughs> that, that, by the way, very art school quote of you. Uh, I don't shy away from sadness. Okay, tell me more about your life, Sierra. You seem very cool. Shut up. Um, no, I love it. I mean, I was listening to Taylor Swift, right? Like, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be cool music. Um, but when the family flies in, I think is the most emotional one. I think there's like something so weird about our generation in the way that we, you know how the previous generation didn't really talk about money that much? I feel like there's such a reservation about talking about your family as a young person because most people are so afraid of looking like they're not independent and looking like, and maybe this is just like art circles, I don't know, maybe this is a certain subset of people, but I feel like people are so afraid of looking like they have ties to a family and they're being like, helped with anything so this this song always feels really vulnerable because it's not something you hear a lot that's a a very interesting way of looking at the song and i i do think what you're talking about is is correct in terms of artists wanting to look independent i think that is something exclusive to artists because i think you could make the argument that i'm not going to use the term well-adjusted but more uh, societally in tune people would use like i come from a rich family as a bragging point like they would be psyched about it but even me and it's not exactly like i grew up in a castle but i'm still like oh maybe like i maybe i'm just not gonna ask for money maybe it's just gonna be my battle from here on out uh which is arguably unhealthy but it is something i feel compelled to do to really again not have that leg up even though i don't if you grew up rich i don't care like i there's so much wasted energy in this world about like this celebrity's kid is doing something i'm not talking about the college admission scandal but just anything where it's just like being a teenager what do you want them to do like oh no let me work as an unpaid intern and not use my parents connections to have a leg up in this competitive field like what the fuck is that no you would do the same thing if you were in their position i think it's not punk i'll say that i think it's not cool i think we can give them shit and I think that they're going to still be successful. So it doesn't really matter. Like, are we talking about King Princess? Are we talking about King Princess? No, I don't know about any King Princess drama. Please fill me in. Oh, well, King Princess is like the daughter of like a billionaire. That's like, yeah. So basically, and like had all these connections and that's how uh, there she's famous. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go they, them on that one. I'm not positive. I think that's the safe bet. Perfect. Um, I think that's like, part of why they're fame or like a big reason why they're famous um and my thing about that is not necessarily that like okay king princess can have a career i think that's embarrassing i think your parents did all that work for you that's a little embarrassing um i just i just feel like if you were in that position you would be like yeah use your connections to get me in the door yeah no 100 percent, and it's unfair of me it's an unfair judgment that i have um and I also think that they're going to be fine. <laughs> like, if people want to be mad at me for, like, privileges that I have for being white, like, yeah, sure. It's unfair. Nothing really, like, I, I'm going to do what I can about it, right? Um, but, like, yeah, make some jokes about it. Okay. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
I'm very still inter- have all that privilege at the end of the day. So like, I don't know. I don't know. So to Sierra do. is an open book. You can take as many shots at her as you want. <laughs> I will cry. <laughs> Let's talk about the song Bonnie. That's what opens the album. And, and just to be clear, we are talking about Julia Jacqueline's Crushing, which came out on February 22nd of 2019. And it's 10 songs in 39 minutes. It opens up with the song Bonnie. And I find this song to be incredibly compelling. It's one of those long drawn out openers that my more standard punk rock brain goes, okay, if you're going to have a song this slow and you're going to have a song this long, put it at the end of the album Julia Jacqueline flips that and reverses it Missy Elliott style. She puts it to begin the album. And it's a song that I find to be very intriguing, specifically that second verse where Julia Jacqueline is saying, I remember the early days when you took my camera, turned to me 23, naked on your bed, looking straight at you. Do you still have that photograph? Would you use it to hurt me? Well, I guess it's just my life and it's just my body. Very, uh, to me, modern example of the modern world, this concept of revenge porn and privacy and intimacy. And it's just, I, it's a very, and perhaps it's a poor choice of words given that specific line, but this is a very voyeuristic album. I do feel like I'm looking in on this person's real life, whether it's autobiographical or not, I do not know. But the songwriting is so strong that it feels almost cinematic to me. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like very intimate. Um, And I think part of that is the details. Like part of that is it's so clear. Let me ask you, let me ask you this, um, because this is a question that I cannot answer. I was thinking about this as I was going through the album, preparing for the show, knowing that I was going to talk to you. I love this album because it gives me another perspective on someone else's life. There are parts of it that are are deeply comforting and familiar. There are parts of this album that are deeply alienating. For you, as a young woman, do you feel like there is something specific about this album that resonates with you that me and my position, I would not be able to understand? Um, Not really, no. Um, I think like the context of it is important, right? Like the context of being a female victim of revenge porn like it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're a male or female victim of revenge porn or a non-binary victim of revenge porn but I think like the legacy and the history behind revenge porn against women um is obviously important but because the portraits are so real I feel like they just the tone is a feeling Um, and whether that feeling is isolation, whether that feeling is like fear, I feel like she does all of them so distinctly that it's not even, it's not even the feeling of being a woman. It's just the feeling of that moment, um, and heartbreak. And of course you're going to feel those more often if you're systematically, um, put at a disadvantage, but I think everyone has had those. Yeah. I think that's a very fair way of looking at it. And and that makes sense because again, I did not necessarily expect you to have an answer, but I was just curious if there was something that I couldn't pick up on listening to it from my dumb male brain. But yeah, it's it's just a painful album at times. And it's one I spent a lot of time with and a lot of, you know, kind of a lot of darkness surrounds this record, but it's also become one of my favorite albums I've ever heard. I mean, it's really just an incredible piece of work. And because through those those moments of sadness that you hear on body, uh, when the family flies in, convention, good guy, all those songs. You also have a song like Pressure to Party, which is upbeat and anthemic and just terrific. And I know you had a lot you wanted to say about the song. 
I just have such a fucked up story with this song. So um, <laughs> Julia Jacqueline is one of my go-to. Um, I just met someone. I'm talking to them. They asked what kind of music I listen to. I'm like, I feel like this gives a good idea of what I listen to. By the way, a question I hate answering. Uh, oh, what kind of music are you into? Oh, a bunch of shitty bands that you've never heard of. Not that like I'm cooler than you because I'm listening. Like there's a reason you've never heard of these bands. I should probably mix in Julia Jacqueline more. My thing is, I think most people should be open to your pop punk bands. <laughs> they okay, they should defend pop punk Sierra. They hate fun. Okay, I'm so sorry you hate jamming. You don't like the front bottoms? Have you ever experienced joy? anger um okay so it's a cheap shot i don't care disney's a cheap shot they're fucking billionaires like give pump i i have a hole <laughs> uh, this was terrific i had someone on the show about a month and a half ago and i was talking to her about the band she grew up listening to and she's like well when i was 15 i liked the front bottoms obviously i stopped listening to them a long time ago it's like well wait just a second some of us are actually adults with jobs that actually love the front bottoms mm-hmm the front bottoms get me. More so than any other band. I am still yeah. constantly blown away at just like, I put them on. They're so fucking good, Sierra. I know. I know, dude. I know. One of these days we're going to do a front bottoms album. It's going to be good. <laughs> One of these days, Case, we're going to go to Arizona. Okay, picture this. Picture this. Okay. We're in Arizona. The sun is shining. You passenger seat you don't have to drive this is very low-key if you have any stress at all about me driving no i've never gotten an accident i've never been pulled over i've never gotten a ticket crazy energy good driver i it, it would it, look would i be nervous about you driving a car yes is it misogynistic probably i'll be upfront about that but if you've never gotten into an accident we're good i'll shut my mouth yeah no i um I think the chaos does a lot for people's perception of me, but I am a straight A student that has worked 20 hours a week for most of my life <laughs> and is pretty smart. <laughs> this is the thing about Sierra is that there's constantly like a, a tornado of fire in her life that gives me this like altered perception of her when I'm not around her. There are friends I have where it's like the best thing we can do is take a break from each other. I don't need to see this person for a while. When I spend time apart from Sierra, I this like other version of her takes over in my head. And I forget at the end of the day, Sierra's a fucking softie. I'm a fucking softie. Whoopsie. So we're in Arizona. Okay, so we're in Arizona. Um, I'm driving your passenger seat window down. Of course, of course. But it's warm out. Don't worry about it. Um, we are listening to back on top is what we're gonna start with. And I know that's controversial. I know that's controversial, but here's why we're doing back on top. Because back on top is the best parked while jamming. Okay. Um, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna go to my favorite coffee shop, um, which is not a coffee shop at all. And I know you don't drink coffee, so I know you're worried. You're worried about this. You're like, Sarah's gonna have me in this passenger seat. Yeah, I know, you're shivering, quaking in your boots. Um, <laughs> You're like, Sierra's going to have me in this car. I'm going to have to listen to this, this weird album um, at a coffee shop. No, it's a drive through coffee shop. Everyone is the kindest person you've ever met. It's called Dutch Bros. And most of the stuff they serve is not coffee. It's like sugar good drinks. And I think they have some stuff that you would love. Um, and then we're going to take those about town and we're going to listen to the rest of it in the car. 
your thoughts on Pressure to Party by Julia Jacqueline. My thoughts on Pressure to Party by Julia Jacqueline. My fucked up story. Okay, so this is my go-to sharing album. Um, <laughs> so there was this girl I was talking to um, a while ago and she was um, telling me about how like, she's like, yeah, I know I should like make new friends and stuff. She had like recently gone through a breakup. I knew I was, I knew I was doing bad shit. Um, I knew I was playing with fire. Um, but, but I don't know, she wrote me a poem. I was good with it. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're having a hard time with this. You know what song I should send you? Pressure to party. And she was texting me about it um, and was like, oh my God, this is like exactly how I feel. Like, this is crazy, all of this stuff. Um, and then I went in and I was looking at the lyrics for pressure to party. And that is the most fucked up thing. I think the whole thing was that I was sending this song and she was like, yes, you are pressuring me to party. <laughs> and I don't know how that came out of it because I sent the song. <laughs> um, so you look at this as a negative. This was a speed bump in this encounter. Um, might have been the end, quite honestly. I'm just kidding. Um, but certainly, certainly did not serve well. <laughs> I... Don't from the way you told the story, I don't think you're in the wrong. Thank you. I don't think I'm in the wrong either. I think I was being a good person, but I think that most of the time. So yeah, what what else is new? Sierra gets upset. She's like, "Well, I was being a good person, so it's not it's not my fault." Um, I've heard that before. Sierra Cruz, as she glares at me on the Zoom call, you know, we're coming up on the end of this album. We've talked about. A lot of the the big parts of this record, Body, When the Family Flies In, Pressure to Party, we haven't talked about our most popular song, which is Don't Know How to Keep Loving You, which is track four on this album. It is enchanting. It is heartbreaking. It is, at the same time, an incredible pop song, a one that I find myself singing along to. Well, what do you have to say about the song? Well, it's funny that you mentioned pop because so much of this album has like the lord pop sensibility but oh. are, i i think so like especially body i think has like a lot of like ribs in it um but it's also classified as alternative country which is probably how julia jacqueline ended up at the folk um concert. old town school of folk yes yeah old town school of folk um <laughs> sorry we had to we had to get the promotion in there <laughs> i have a brand deal um <laughs> And ne never a better time to get it on live venue brand deals than right now. W well done with your business acumen. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's so a part of this song that like haunting pop rhythm. And then in the music video too, have you seen the music video for this song? Of course I have. Uh, it, I, I could watch it for hours. It's all of those beautiful women. And I was reading about um, her videographer um who she has known since high school and does all of her like promotional material and also all of her um all of her like instagram posts and uh, music videos and uh they like met in high school and were best friends and she was just like take care of this like i know you'll put my best interests at heart take care of this um and i thought that was the coolest story because i can imagine doing that to my friends being like okay so we're, we're doing this yeah, I feel like that's a role that you would have in my life at some point where it's like, I'm doing something like, well, Sierra's got to be good at this shit. Like, just let her take care of it. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, we have many common interests, Julia Jacqueline being one of them, girls on HBO being another one. 
which of the girls is vibing to Julia Jacqueline? I mean, so I, I think like Hannah, but I think it's really uncomfortable. Um, Hannah doesn't understand, like Hannah likes it, but she doesn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's most of Hannah's deal though, but I also feel like she's pretty in touch with like what's current, who would actually love Julia Jacqueline, but I don't think could like sit down would be Jessa. Yes. Um, but Jess is also just like my girl. Yeah, you you related to Jess on that show, didn't you? Well, I um I am hesitant to say that I like girls because multiple people at this point have told me that I remind them of Hannah and it makes me like actively want to throw up. Like it makes me feel so terrible about myself and will never leave my brain. No, I when I watched it, I know a few Hannahs. You're not a Hannah. Thank you. Um I like I, I'm trying to be self-reflective and trying to be okay with flaws, but I'm like I don't think that's the one that I know. Uh, again, a lot of a lot of Jessa energy coming from you, which makes me nervous, but it's not my life. Yeah, and I feel like I mean I feel good about being Jessa. I feel like I'm doing really well with a lot of Jessa's brain chemicals. I haven't gotten. I feel like we have similar brains. I um did not get involved with heroin, which is probably just privilege, right? Um, probably I've never been presented heroin. Um, so like good for me. Um, but I feel like she represents a, a track that I, that I very much see, that I very much identify with. And then I think her and Adam are the best ever. Yeah, her and Adam were a fun couple. I like when Adam throws a bike at her. I know that is technically domestic violence, but well, it's... And like she would throw it back at him. I don't know. That's actually all oh, that's fucked up. I don't know. Maybe that's not good. But I also, here's my other thing. You know who's listening? You know who's listening to Julia Jacklin? Adam's sister. What's her name? Oh, Adam's sister. Uh, I don't I don't think she owns uh anything to listen to music on. I don't I don't know if she's but you also we have very different opinions on that character. I just think she's so sexy. <laughs> I remember being repulsed by that character. <laughs> she's so sexy and then they have her give birth. And then afterwards, she's still so sexy. And she's got the gray. Uh, not exactly what I was picking up uh, from that character. Something I was not picking up on this album as we kind of wind down here. I love this record. It really has become one of my favorite albums I've ever heard. It would make a top 50 list for sure. The closer though, Comfort. It's acoustic. It's a little soft. I feel like her best work, this album should have ended with Turn Me Down. And then it continues with Comfort. And I just think it's kind of a weak way to go out. I have a bit of an issue with the sequencing there. Sierra, do you have any uh, any thoughts on this? The idea of like like when you're going to listen to this album all the way through, um, trying to make this sound less like a like a basic thing but i think the idea for when you're listening to it is you're like in your house and you maybe just ate dinner or you're cooking dinner and then you finish it out like while the sun is setting you're eating dinner like maybe there's wine and then you're in your living room and you're comfortable and maybe you have a couple of friends over um and 
you have to ground that, right? Like you've had this whole experience. It would be so silly. It'd be so silly if you ended on like something like, like pressure to party or something like that. Where are you going to go with all of that? I also think it's a hopeful song and despite, despite, um, I think the hope is in its vulnerability. I think that's a very good way of summarizing not only the end of this album, but the hoping the vulnerability is the entire record. I think that's Julia Jacqueline's crushing summed up very well. Like I said, February 22nd, 2019, the release date. Upon release, it received a 7.7 out of 10 from Pitchfork, a 4 out of 5 from the Rolling Stone, and a 5 out of 5 from the Independent. Sierra, you just talked about kind of where and how you need to listen to this album, but I ask you, Julia Jacqueline's crushing, who needs to hear this album and why? Girls. Girls. <laughs> album. Um... And then anyone that's feeling transitional in their relationships or feeling like love is different now that they're growing up. I think that's a big, that's something that hit home. If you feel trapped in your long-term relationship, don't know how to keep loving you, maybe take a look at a few of the lyrics and think if that's you and maybe hit the eject button if it is. Just my opinions. Sierra Cruz this has been such a fun conversation with you about Julia Jacqueline, about DIY ethics, about Taylor Swift. We covered so much in an hour. If people would like to continue uh, being in your presence after this podcast, is there anything you would like to plug? Um, I have an art Instagram that has my poetry and it's just sierras.hands. Of course it is. Thank you for <laughs> plugging that. Uh, I was unaware of this account. I will check it out. Uh, yeah. Sierra Cruz, obviously you know this because I know you never miss an episode, but after this episode, only two more to go before the Art School Albums podcast at least takes a very long hiatus. We'll see if it ever comes back, but it is, we are going away at the end of the month. I want to have you back on before we close shop because you were such a tremendous guest on our Bright Eyes episode, which you can go back and listen to on the same podcast feed. Now we've talked about Julia Jacqueline. Say that again, Sierra. I said, if you can't get enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And I cannot get enough of you. That's why you are on this show. Sierra, thank you for joining me. I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore K-Slow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. The podcast itself is on Instagram at Art School Albums. Sierra Cruz, thank you for joining me. This has been Julia Jacqueline's Crushing. Crushing.